I'm mean, a little worried about okay. this. You know, I don't know. You should not be I don't worried. know what we're going to do. Yeah, don't worry. I'm going to, you're in good hands. You're okay. in good hands. <laughs> not, like I'm, I'm, what I'm concerned about is this is like a, like a family double dare situation. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm not prepared. For <laughs> I am not prepared. For I that. do love some Mark Summers. I He's mean, great. Can, actually. I know I can channel that energy. Him. He's pretty good. Yeah, he is. You know what his email address is? Mark Summers. Take Mark the Summers. physical challenge. Is that true? That is his real email address. Yeah. Has he made any money? Yeah, he's done well. I love him. He produces a lot of shows now, too. He does? Yeah. He's great. He's good. All right, we ready to go? We're good. We're rolling. You're good? All right, cool. I'm fired up because my guest today is an incredibly talented actor who's been performing on stages and sets since the age of seven. And like a fine wine, he continues to get better with age. His credits are too many to list, but it's not going to stop me from trying. From Debris, City on a Hill, Snowfall, Westworld, Justified, Parenthood, The Black Donnellys, and of course, as Jay Colina on Kingdom. Not to mention notable movies dating back to Sleepers, The Virgin Suicides, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and most recently, Charlie's Angels, and many many more. He's always working, he's always learning, and he's always living. And today he is here with us from Boston, Massachusetts, the pride of Charlestown, the one and only Jonathan Tucker. Dust off the old socks cap. You know, That's it's right. funny you read that. I'm like, every every day I feel like I'm in this airplane and it's like, well, some days you're ordering a cocktail from the, from the flight attendant, thrilled with the selection of the hard <laughs> booze. And other days you're like, maybe this plane's going to crash. Well, how are you feeling today? Today you know, it's the full selection, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I think it's just helpful sometimes to think, you know, about the fact that um, that when you're swinging between trapezes, where the whole where where life is really lived and where it's super super exciting, that um, there's always a bit of fear, and it's like helpful to remember that. But also, whenever with whatever you're doing, but also, yeah, you know, you could you could if you make the wrong decision, if your eye isn't on the ball. Um, if you forget about the fact that there's a difference between work and employment, two separate things, you mm -hmm. might end up not catching that next trapeze bar. Yeah, well, you've been catching it. You've, I mean, when you hear the credits, you've done so. Well, you don't many see the falls, things. though, dude. That's the thing. Well, we People can talk about fall. the falls too, yeah, yeah. but it's how you rebound from the falls, and we'll definitely get into that here on In the Zone. I appreciate you being here, but before we get to the main course, we always like to get it started with uh -oh. some starters, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Of, of course. course. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. let's get some starters. I don't go right to the entree. No. Yeah. You don't go to the entree. Sure, you get sure. it warmed up. So we brought in something special for you with the help of Gold Belly, all the way from Boston's North End. This is Dude, that's fresh not Regina's pizza. Regina's pizza. You got to be kidding. I am not kidding. This is for you, Regina's pizza. Since 1926 on Thatcher Street? Yeah, exactly. Here you go. We're getting it started. You right are kidding away. me. I used to order pizza from them my whole I mean this is my spot, dude. Well, they say hello and they made it happen. This is so you're Let's get kidding. into it. I know you're on a strict diet how at times. This, how the hell did you do But you got, I mean, this is what we do here at In The Zone. We make stuff happen. This you know, was, this is, this was made yesterday. Dude, you're joking. This man. was made yesterday at Regina Pizzeria. You're kidding me. I, there's no jokes here at all. Hysterical. I'm getting into this too. All right. Cheers. So what makes this place so special? Wow. Well, 
it's a Boston institution. You know, mm. You're on one of two teams. You're you're a Regina's guy. You mm-hmm. taste the cheese. Oh, good. And you want to go to the original. Yep. On Thatcher Street in the North End. Don't take reservations. Notoriously grisly staff. Oh, yeah. My favorite being Lorena, who um, fosters dogs and cats and, and also by day and by evening serves serve Slings Pizza. Um, and Richie, who just left after, I don't know, 26 to 35 years old. A UMass guy. Wow. Or you're a um, Santapio's guy mm. in East Boston. It's a divisive conversation to have, but I'm a huge pizza fan. But you're a Regina. I'm a Regina's guy. You're a Regina's pizza guy. Well, this is maybe one of the best things that I've ever um, had happen on any show ever because they don't do this. You're damn right. This ain't like any show. This is in the zone. No, these jokers from Chicago, you can buy Lou Malnati's. Yeah, no, that's not the same. Frozen. This is from where you grew up going. This Regina is incredible. Pizza. I that's walk right. over the bridge from Charlestown and have dinner at, um, at one of America's greatest pizza establishments. Real Absolutely. Italians are from Boston. Yes. As an Irishman, I'm not thrilled by them, but I'm always <laughs> proud of Boston. You're always repping Boston. I mean, what does the city of Boston mean to you? You got your Red Sox cap, you got Regina's Pizza. You're still in shock that this is happening I'm totally here. in shock that this is here. <laughs> I mean, right, dude, man. I'm shocked. We make it happen here. We make dreams come true. Yeah, you know, just, um, I mean, I'm like so shocked I can almost cry. I'm like, <laughs> I can't yeah, believe there's like Regina's Pizza in L.A. like this. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm like literally emotional about the whole thing. Um, this is the Polcari family, dude. I mean, you know, you got to understand, this is Anthony Polcari's. I mean, they would freak that the thing was sent across the country like this. This is the way to your heart is I through some Boston it. pizza. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> literally, like, I have tears in my eyes. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you did being from Boston is like legit. <laughs> it's this is amazing. This was amazing. Uh, you know, it's a big part of your life. And, and um, you grow up um, in other cities and... Um, other things become a big important part of like uh, the pie chart. Yeah. But when you're from a place like Cleveland too, I bet. Yeah. I mean, I certainly know it's the case with you. Chicago. Um, sure. Boston. It's a big part of how you see and experience the world. Absolutely. And we're very proud of our, our city. Guys in New York, like they they know they got this big thing that everybody knows about. But when you're from kind of a, a fight and working class community like Cleveland or Boston, it's you against the world. It really is. I mean, Cleveland against the world, I feel that way. Boston against the world, you're always repping the city. You're repping the businesses. You're always on a pretty strict diet at times, but I think you're throwing that out the window today because we got Regina's here. So just go after it. We got plenty more pizza, too, if you need it throughout the show. so funny. Do you ever on a set? I mean, I'm always curious how you channel these emotions. You know, oh, I got to cry on command. You just think of Regina's pizza? Is this what (laughs) what you do? I mean, I just can't. I've never seen Regina's pizza outside of Massachusetts before. Our show made it happen for you made it happen yeah well you have a lot of connection to a lot of food places in boston in your hometown and also in saratoga springs where i know yep. uh, your family had uh, a summer home and tell me a little bit about fryhoffers uh it's a bakery but it means much more to you than just sure. cookies. no i mean look there's there is um it's a great example of corporate responsibility in america and how a market-driven economy and society is supposed to work. You know, you're supposed to like give back to your community. Mm-hmm. And a lot of companies do in meaningful ways, and sometimes you see the benefits immediately, and sometimes it takes, in, in my case, decades um, to, um, to be realized privately or publicly. And 
this local um, bakery sold in a lot of them are the Stewart's ice cream um, shops, which people know yeah. if they're in the capital region. You know, they sell cookies and other things like that. And they paid for the lawn tickets, the, uh, the sort of cheap seats for, um, for the New York City Ballet and like the Philadelphia Philharmonic if you were over the age of 65 wow. or you were under the age of 12 at the Saratoga Performing Arts Center. Really awesome venue. All the big shows um, that are on tour will end up there. Um, instead of Albany, you kind of drive up 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so my grandmother would take me, and we would sit on the lawn and watch, um, watch the ballet a few nights a week. And it was because it was free. Yeah. And, um, and she wouldn't have been able to afford it otherwise. I fell in, um, fell in love with ballet, came back to Boston, was like, I want to do ballet, I want to do real ballet. And do you remember what, what it was that you fell in love with? Was it the atmosphere, going to a show, the lights, the smell, the sound? No, I, I was really into the dance, like the physicality yeah. of it. And um, it totally will come across to some folks as being to- as strange, but there was like such a masculinity to those dancers mm. that I was taken with. It was so much more raw in some respects than like, some of the sports that I had seen. Sure. I'm a big sports fan. I was a big Bird McHale Parish fan. And the Bledsoe's before the Brady's. Yeah. So I just got, I was like, you know, this is something I want to do. And um, when I commit to something, you know, I tend to commit pretty hard. Right. So, well, you joined the Boston Ballet Company at the age of seven. And I know yeah. you were in a lot of productions of, uh, going back for slice number three. Yeah, yeah, keep going. Yeah, keep going. Okay, all right. I'll do some talking so you can get some more slices yeah, yeah. in. This is good. So you joined the Boston Ballet Company at the age of seven. You were in numerous productions of The Nutcracker yep. as Fritz. And for those who don't know, the Boston Ballet Company, tell us, I mean, that's that's a big deal in the city of Boston and the Nutcracker performance. And you were on a major stage. It's not like, oh, I just want to try ballet and take a class. Like, you were thrown into it big time pretty quickly. Yeah, and, um, I, you know, pressure is a privilege. And mm-hmm. I love, I like pressure. Yeah. You have to have the time to prepare for it. But the Wang Center, I think, is 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. I, I don't do, I don't think they, I think they still do the Nutcracker at the Wang, but the other shows are now at a smaller venue. Um, yeah, and when I want to be on set, I mean, if you're going to make a movie, you want the movie to get seen. Right. If you're going to dance, you're going to want to have people see it. And um, I think I liked, I fell in love not just with, like, the discipline of the dance, um, with um, the process of self-discipline and working um, kind of behind closed doors and then presenting something. Um, but I also think I, I fell in love with the stakes yeah. of that. And as I said earlier, the opportunity to fail being omnipresent makes um, all of the living so much more dynamic. Did you know through that experience this is what you wanted to do for a living? Um, I'll tell you a quick story about myself. I I did a lot of acting when I was a kid growing up in Cleveland, and I thank God you quit. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had a yeah. Well, exactly. I had to pivot. I had to pivot eventually. But uh, I started professionally in the fourth grade, performing in plays at the Cleveland Playhouse, which in Cleveland is a big deal. And I felt very lucky, very fortunate that always at a young age, I knew I wanted to perform. I don't act now. Now it's more hosting, interviewing, broadcasting. But I knew this is the path I wanted to take. And 
even you know through college, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know exactly what I want to do. I, I felt that I didn't have a choice. I felt that I knew the direction I was headed in. Did you have a similar experience? And do you think that started? I think with that the is Boston the Ballet? single greatest privilege after my parents I've ever gotten. Yeah, I mean, I don't care, you know, how much money you got. If you don't know what you want to do, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can be debilitating. Then sometimes you end up finding that sense of purpose in things like being a parent, which is incredible, um, as you and I both know. Yeah. But to be fulfilled, to know what the goal is, is like such a big goal in and of itself. Um, particularly if you're a hard worker or you're talented or you're bright or you're like you know you have a capacity to accomplish something, you just simply don't know what it is. That's just brutal. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you and I at least were able to hone in on something and then put uh, the full weight of everything that had gone into us from the places we're from, from the parents we've had to the opportunities of education, um, you know, and then the kind of that self-drive. I mean, it's just it's one of the things I think I'm just most most thankful for. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, Bezos has that great quotation about being um, stubborn on vision and and um, flexible on strategy. And I think that has been certainly applicable. You don't kind of quite know where it's going to end up going, but you've mm -hmm. got a pretty firm understanding of of what um, is important. And um, you know, the, when I first got into the entertainment business, everybody said two things they said the business is changing that's not how it used to be i'm like well that was 30 years ago right and people are saying it today yeah like, and it's true mm -hmm. it's absolutely true the business is changing it's always changing yeah and it's not how it used to be it's like for sure that's and so you can sit around and you can fight the water um or you can try to swim with it and um I don't mean to say you're be abandoning your principles or your sense of self, but you've got to be adaptive and just recognize like what's important. Well, you've done an amazing job at doing just that. You've been in the entertainment industry for 30 years now, performing on all different stages, sets, film, television. Um, here on In The Zone, I like to ask all of my guests what it means for them to be in the zone. When you talk to an athlete, you can talk about that flow state where the game slows down. For an actor, what is it like for you when it's like, Tucker, we're ready for you. Walk to set, you hit your mark. Lights, camera, action. You got a crew of hundreds of people, and everyone's done their job. Now it's time to do your job. Go. Where do you go? How do you get to that place you need to be to be locked in to give the best of yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's the um, it's performance on demand, and it's literally the exact same thing as an athlete. It's the same thing as somebody giving a great presentation. Um, it's the same thing as a team of, um, of special forces about to kick down a door mm -hmm. and engage in a firefight. The stakes are all terribly different. Yeah. Um, and the preparation practically on the ground is, is um, you know, oftentimes different. But um, if you're not present, if you're not prepared, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're not breathing you're in trouble when you start to, um, I think there's that great, the opening of, um, there's this great uh, book about baseball. And he says sometimes, I can't remember the quotation exactly, but it's like he says something that poise um, is defined in sports by recognizing that when 
any disaster can happen and does happen, that good managers preach a return to fundamentals and getting back to what got us here, mm. um, and that you're rowing backwards towards a goal versus looking over your shoulder to see mm -hmm. where the goal line is, and that you sh should essentially pass the goal line um, by rowing backwards, not even knowing that you'd passed it. Yeah. And when you're looking around, trying to see something else other than what you're doing, you know, there's a physiological response, you know, tunnel mm -hmm. vision, the muscles tensing up, uh, you don't hear as well. You don't smell as well. You literally can't see in your peripheral vision the way that you can when you're relaxed and you're loose. And then there's a spiritual component of being open to the fact that when there's a boom operator in the room, he's or she is literally displacing, you know, volume in that room, space. Mm -hmm. And so they're changing the space of it, which is why production designers and location scouts are so sensitive to space and the way in which we operate in them. And why do you feel good? You know, I mean, in Boston... We would say certain things, but it all really meant like feng shui. Uh -huh. But we would never, you know, be like, right. Dad, dude, this place makes me feel like I got the creeps here. Right? <laughs> it's like, well, there's like, you're saying something about the energy of the room, right. you know, and the space. And you've got to be open to all of the vibrations of the world. Otherwise, you're going to miss things. So, mm -hmm. like, things will be good, but they're not going to be that Tom Brady, Serena Williams, Michael Jordan championship habits sure. on and off the field. And there's other things like just don't, you know, people wash out in the entertainment business because for the same reason they do in everywhere else. Like they've got egos or they don't have enough ego. Mm -hmm. right? Or they've got so much money they're complacent or they don't, they haven't figured out how to deal with their finances and they're taking jobs that they have to take because um, they don't have the money for it. Or they've got too many kids and ex-wives and, you know, sp life, spousal yeah. issues. But it's life that they've let go out of control. Mm. They've made bad choices, you know. They're lazy. They're, mm -hmm. um, they're not constantly trying to develop and hone their talent. Like, all of those things wash people out. They've got mental yeah. health issues. They've got, you know, drug and alcohol issues. And those are the sort of, like, there's the pitfalls you see and the pitfalls you don't see. But it's the same thing with athletics. And I think, like, when you look at, you hear some of these basketball, the really good basketball players talking about how they were on the road for, six, seven years. Right. And you ask them, well, what do you, what do you think of San Francisco? What do you think of uh, Portland, Oregon? I'm like, man, I got no idea. I went there. I right. opened up the hotel room. You know, I set up my, the things I need, and then I went out there and I performed, I, I, I performed right? Yeah. And, and when you're thinking that you're going to go play tourists, which I think a lot of actors think they're going to do, you're missing out on what the real work is. Sure. saying if you get a day off, you want to go fun, but like... Right. But you're there to work. You're there to work, man. Yeah. You're not there to like get drunk and sleep in late and mm -hmm. go like see the sights and like hope you get off set early enough to make that dinner. Like that's not the work. Mm -hmm. And you get caught up in that those invitations, whatever they might be, to you know, to whatever it might be, uh, you know, in terms of going off and drinking or um, or going to a dinner or sure. basically not working. Those yeah. invitations become more enticing the more successful you get. Yeah. Even because you feel like, oh, I'm I'm at a good place. I can tell them to shoot me out now so I can make that that event or that get whatever yeah. it might be. So those sort of things are just helpful to kind of like constantly keep in check. And frankly, I find sports to be a great way in which to check in with myself in terms of um, my work habits and what is successful and what's not. Because the ball either goes into the, the net or, or doesn't. Yeah. And that's harder to see empirically in the arts. You seem like someone who uh, process is incredibly important to you. 
that you take a lot of time and a lot of effort in preparing for auditions, for roles, for jobs. Um, and I'm just want to talk a little bit about the process. I'm just curious about it. When you play a character, you've played a wide array of characters from despicable assassins to really damaged. My mom would like a nice Jewish doctor. But yeah, right. Yeah. That too. We I, haven't gotten you, really You've played really all different now. types of characters. And how do you make bold choices about who this character is and how you're going to play them. Do you try to come up with a whole backstory on who this person is? Or do you just try to say, like, how would they act in this scene? I'm I just, just think, curious. like, man, we all go around our lives and we see people with, like, real characters. Yeah. You know, you've got your pants rolled up and you've got some <laughs> colors on your sneakers. Yeah. And, you know, like, we do things that are real and then sometimes we get scared of putting them out there to the world. Um, and particularly when you're training as an actor, I think you're so concerned about be overacting, being too big. And it's like, mm -hmm. man, people do real big stuff in real life. Yeah. And if you sit down, which is part of the work, like at a coffee shop for an hour, you're going to see people gesticulating. And you're going to see characters coming in with wild outfits and hair. And the way in which they communicate is totally different. Mm -hmm. Um you're going to go on a trip and see somebody who, like, um, in Justified, I wore all these rings. You know, I was like, yeah. I was doing yoga, and this guy next to me wore rings, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Think about that. Put that in a journal, and mm -hmm. you start to, like, mine your experiences and the way in which you participate in your life to be a part of the work. And when you bifurcate the two, um, one, it's a significantly less satisfying experience as a life, and two, like, the work is less compelling. Are you able to separate yourself from the work, like when you go home, or do you take these characters home with you when you're in the middle of actually? Yeah, I mean, you take a bit of all of it home with you, yeah. but people are like, "Oh, are you method." I'm like, "Yeah, I played a, I played a guy who still believes the Confederate War is on." Do you think I'm going to like craft service and using the <laughs> N word with like the guy there because I'm playing a? Some know, actors might. I would hope not. Yeah, you know, there's right. let, let's be clear. Yeah. Like, there's a line of human decency. <laughs> that we should be towing. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's a lot of those elements that just become kind of a part of your life at that time. And there's a physical aspect to that as well, which is mm -hmm. inherent and um, inherently changing how you interact with the world. So I think you just try to be aware of them. What's hard is leaving some of these characters that you've worked with or lived with or played for so many years to leave those behind because it does feel um, like a, a bit of a death in some respects. One thing I'm really curious about with your process is how do you memorize long monologues, you know, a lot of dialogue? You know, just, what, how do you actually do it? Is it from reading? Is it from writing? There's, there's this, yeah, there's this, what's, um, what's your trick? Tim Grover, who's this, you know, who's Michael Jordan. Yeah, Michael Jordan's trainer. Right. Yeah, of course. Has been very helpful um, in me seeing a lot of these things. This other um, mental conditioning coach that I've worked with named Roger Kurtz been really um, illuminating. Yeah. And in Grover's book, his relentless book, he says, you don't have to love everything you do. That's like part of the process. Man, that was very liberating to hear because everybody's walking around like, you gotta love what you do, you gotta love what you do, you gotta really be passionate. Right. That's true, Like, but there's a lot of these things that's not you know, not pleasurable. And sure. Like memorizing, I hate memorizing, but you yeah. just gotta, you, you do it. You know, you just sit there in a room and you just spend the time and you do it. So. Just from reading it over and over, saying it over and yeah, over. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, look, everyone's it. got their own tips and tricks. I, know, I want the tricks. Honestly. No, but I mean, yeah. whatever works for you is yeah. like where there. This is not like right. hidden information. Is it's not fun, right? And it's not easy, 
And um, it's not so much easier for some people than it is for others generally. Mm-hmm. It means like turning your cell phone off. Locking in. Getting locking in the zone. In. I mean, that's not the zone. That's like just okay. That's just like grinding, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no chance that like Kobe Bryant enjoyed getting up as early as he did to go hit free throws all morning. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's no way. And Michael Jordan wasn't loving going to the weight room all the time. You're like, you don't right. love that stuff, you, but you do it yeah. because you love the end result. Right. You love showing up and being able to be free, being able to be in the zone with Jason Zone Fisher. Like you want right. to show up on set and be loose, man, because you know the work's done. Like that's when it's fun. The work mm-hmm. is done. I mean, you know, I'm a big fight fan, and those guys show up uh, in the UFC. They show up a week before the fight, and the time is just to relax. That's the time to be the tourist. Yeah. And you know what's funny? I've never thought about this, but like they literally play tourist. Mm-hmm. They want to relax and be cool and loose because the work's done. Yeah. They prepared for the fight. When you are on set. You're a tourist. Mm-hmm. You want to be exploring everything because you've already done the work. So if the light through the window is bright, man, put your hand up and block the light mm-hmm. when you're talking. Like, that's yeah. great. If the salt shaker is there and you want to play little games with salt while you're talking and, you know, get the knife and start moving it over, like, that's great. And then the camera operator, if he's playing tourist, is going to... You know, tilt down and get that. And the DP's going to want to light it. And the prop guy's like, oh, great. The fucking salt shaker that I took <laughs> spent like four weeks trying to find like a good salt shaker. Like they're thrilled, you know? Yeah. So you want to be playing tourist. A trip and, a tr- and tourism is not fun when you're stressed out that you can't afford it. The trip, mm-hmm. that you've got work calls piling up, yeah. that you don't know where you're going. That then it takes the fun out of being a tourist. You're no longer a tourist. You're a, a, a concerned traveler. Right. Yeah. You do the work. You prepare, and then it, you can play. go on vacation. Right. It has to be. I've never talked about it, like like yeah. it's really true. Like you got to go on vacation, man. It mm-hmm. is done. And and look, I mean, the, I always I go back to these guys in the special forces because and fighting because it's like those are kind of like the top of the stakes of these things. Mm-hmm. You're more than likely not going to die in a UFC fight, um, but you are going to get hurt. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. getting punched in the face. And the Special Forces guys at the at the apex of this is, you know, they're, they're killing people. And mm-hmm. um, they are getting shot at. People want to kill them. And it ha- in those moments when you talk to these guys, not that it's fun, but that they're released. They're free. They're totally free. And they're allowing all the work that they have done to find itself organically on the day. Um, and that's where you want to be. Well, you've been doing the work for a long time, and that leads me to our next segment here in the zone called Rewind, where we're going to take a look back at some different clips and get your reaction on them. So take a look at this while you enjoy more Regina's Pizza. Dude, this is... Fundamentals may look like a little snack on the outside, but in the middle, they're spelling. It's got a giant chocolate cake, so mammoth and huge. I'm talking over this. You can talk. Yeah, yeah. Like a blimp of hot air, it boggles the mind how we got it in there. One bite and your fire will shout. Stop that big. There's the mood. The snack that's not little because of the Dan Driscoll directed it. September Productions. It was a Sachi and Sachi commercial. We shot it in the fall of like 1993 or four. Yeah, three. 
and I was shot in Boston. Wow. I was on sabbatical with my father, who was a professor at UMass Boston for 35 years, and my family. We were in Santa Fe, New Mexico. We had never been west of the Mississippi before, really, because we're New Englanders. <laughs> and um, my family made an extraordinary effort to like put together some self-tape for that thing. Yeah. I had done another commercial for them before. Fruit roll-ups roll commercial? Yeah. 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 And we sent off that half inch overnight and FedEx, like driving it to the airport. My parents were incredible supporting wow. me because I really wanted to do it. Um, and they flew me back. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, finances sometimes can be, it's so easy to talk about finances. It's just an easy number. Like people it's, are comfortable with it. Talking about art is so much more mm-hmm. challenging for people. But it definitely helped um, give my parents an understanding that, what I wanted to do was being substantiated by the right people because, like, they flew us first class back to Boston. Mm-hmm. And we didn't ever fly first class anywhere. And um, and they put us up in a fancy hotel in Boston because our house, was, I think, was rented out. And, like, a hotel we know and yeah. got per diem. And all of a sudden, my mom and dad are like, I mean, not not that they were, in. just to be clear, like, they weren't taking any financial cut or anything. Sure. They just were like, oh, this is interesting. He's really passionate about it. We think he's great. But... If they're going to spend all this money, and they paid me a lot of money for that at 10 years old or whatever, yeah. maybe he's got something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, that can be challenging for a lot of kids trying to convince their parents um, to support them. But and they, when people they ask saw me, that in you, too, your, your parents. Sure, did. sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody thinks their kids the greatest Of course, of course. But, you know, they saw this spark that you For had sure, and, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, you, you just, you, you, uh, you know, the... the um, you have to have their my. I had to get their support, and when people ask me how do I get my kids in the business, I'm like, if your kids are not dragging you mm-hmm. into the business, there's no, there's no, um, there's no response to that. Totally. And um, you know, and I want. I was like, I got. I found agents. I brought them to my parents. I'm like, this is what an agent is. This is how they do it. Here's this woman's business card. She gave her a call. Um, so I was really, I was really into it, and you know, the business has been. Um, you know, you can kind of decide how you want to respond to so many things that happen in your life. Um, you really can create that narrative around it, and um, it's been it's been a really great ride. The business has given me a lot. I've also given a lot. To be fair, like I've given a lot to the business. Yeah. Um, not just in terms of like the amount of work that I've put into it, but um, you give so much of yourself, mm-hmm. uh, and you take so many punches to the face. Well, speaking of taking punches to the face, you know how to set up a clip better than I do. Oh, there we go. Take a look oh, at this. Oh, crap. Let's go. But are you going to cut to these clips on the show, or is it like you Don't and I Don't let us you? do it. We'll you sit it. back and relax. Good, clean fight. Take <laughs> gloves now if you'd like to. Sorry, I got a little excited. Oh, my God. This is where I got clipped. I knew this was going to be a bad idea. I knew it. Yeah. That headbutt right there, that was an accident. But the blood coming out of Tucker's head was real. That's my Charlestown, that's my uh, Bunker Hill flag uh, mouth guard. You see that? Yeah. I look big there. Jesus. Oh, man. Yeah. So so explain for everyone what was happening in that clip. You know, we were doing like a press week and so just like a lot of press things. And, yeah. um, and one of the for Kingdom, opportunities for Kingdom, on, yep. uh, which was on DirecTV, and then during the pandemic went on Netflix, which was very... Um, good yeah because uh, people got to see it mm-hmm. uh, it's a show about a, a venice a fight gym set in venice california um and the family that owns it and runs it and, um 
And so anyways, they, they were like, oh, well, let's do like a, we'll bring our correspondent. He's a great guy, but like, he really, Cam is like, he's a great human being. You didn't have one of your like Boston guys rough him up after that. that no, but I was like, this is not a guy. I was like, does it, cause they were like, cause I'm getting emails. So, like he wants to spar. And I was like, does he spar? Yeah. Cause like, you don't want to, you know, when you spar with somebody who's great, right? it's great. Yeah. When you, when somebody doesn't really spar, like it, that's when it gets dangerous. And they're like, not really, but I was like, not a good idea. Like, no, he just wants to do this like tap. I'm like, it's not a good idea. I mean, I had like the emails to prove it. <laughs> yeah. You and were as soon as we to got push in there, them not to do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, like as you see, thirty seconds until we crack heads. But yeah, yeah, I got a great plastic surgeon, uh, Doctor Daniel Poor, a main man, PD, and I just send him a text when there's a problem. And he's like, "Come on in." I go right in there. He sews me right up. Oh man, did this reporter yeah. feel horrible? I mean, he. Like, oh my god, of course. No, of course. Bleeding. I felt terrible for him. I felt worse, way worse for him than I did for me. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've got yeah. you know, I got plenty of stitches. I yeah. felt terrible for him. Um, and I was also like, I remember looking over my, my publicist, so like, do you remember those emails? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, oh, wow. That's wild. Uh, now, you mentioned a few times you're a big UFC fan, MMA. Were you into it before you started working on no, KW I, I, um, as Jay? I, well, I think there's like really only two major things that I've done a full 180 degree political swap on mm-hmm. and that is um uh the death penalty i was for the death penalty i am uh no longer uh, b- no longer for the death penalty in terms of the government yeah deciding um that's I'll, our next segment i'll kill you i'll kill you okay. i'll kill you but i but not, i'm not really thrilled about my government she didn't kill people yeah. and, uh and the u.s and mma you know i mm-hmm. thought it was like i thought it was for the uneducated like poor white trash blood sport cockfighting mm-hmm. for humans racist homophobic yeah. Uh, just truly, truly, truly a divisive, bad thing, f- bad pill for society in the world. And uh, now I'm obsessed with it and disagree with everything that I previously And what was said. it about it that made I mean, you take something? Shockingly, you know, when you learn about things, you tend to, t- you tend <laughs> right. to, tend to uh, change your mind or more um, nuance and color is provided. Yeah. But we are so desperate to cling on to our ideas that anything that's slightly outside of the um, conventional wisdom or narrative that we have established is like threatening versus maybe providing some sort of context. And I have uh, fallen hook, line, and sinker for, for MMA. Do you think it started with, with Kingdom or maybe it was back at the Yaoli Kung Fu Academy? Oh, good. Very good. Uh-huh. Very, it did start with Kingdom, but Yao Li's Kung Fu Academy, there was two locations, one right above Old Time Pizza in North Station, mm. uh, right there on Causeway Street, um, I believe, uh, literally across the street from North Station, yeah. um, was great. Their other location was there at the end of Newberry Street in Back Bay. And um, you did a lot of Kung Fu. You did Kung Fu Camp, Kung Fu Performance. Oh, yeah, I was really into Kung into Fu. It. it was great. Yeah. It was great, man. Yeah. It was a hugely important part of my life. But um, and, and, and I think as like a conditioning slash layup mm-hmm. for the other things I wanted to do, um, I loved it. But when you, but I, I, I get everything out of like my kids will do MMA. My kids will do MMA slash like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, movement. Not, they're not going to do important to you. That's right. You got it. Kung Fu. It's all movement. You took it. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. The movement was great, but I, 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 I think it was a means to an end for me. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, also you were known as uh, extremely dangerous for a long time. Yes, my know. best friend Judd Katz would call me Ed. Yeah, Edq, right. extremely EDQ. dangerous, quick. That's right. We're yeah. trying to be less dangerous now, and and uh, <laughs> and, and more uh, more quick. Quick would help. Well, speaking of uh, quick and dangerous, 
Let's take a look at this next. It's more a photo, but it's something that happened to you somewhat recently that we have in common as well. Oh, yes. 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 I'm looking forward yes. to this photo. So tell us what we're looking at in this photo right <sighs> well, here. Well, I'm there at, uh, I think, St. John's or St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver, Canada, three days after starting a film production up there, a TV show called Debris for mm -hmm. NBC. A Huge jolt. production. I mean, this is Huge like production, big yeah. time, prime time series. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we shot the TV pilot in March. This was in October. And we shot you know, the pilot in March and didn't get to finish it because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Came back six, seven months later to, um, to finish the pilot, but also shoot the TV show because they picked up the series, which was great. Yeah. And um, big production, great team. Get up to Vancouver. Couldn't be more excited. Talk about being... As, as LeBron says, mid-season form in the preseason. Right. Getting your head to get ready. Getting ready to get ready. Um, and I'm firing off emails to the head of the studio and the network um, talking about uh, how great the first day is going and uh, how fast we're moving, how great the director is. And then uh, we're like three hours ahead of schedule on the first day of this big 10-episode order. And they call last scene, last take, last setup. We're on the martini, and this is going to be it. And I am sprinting like I've been sprinting all day. And then I thought, as you know, the feeling well, that like a 40-pound dumbbell fell in the back of my leg. And they called rap, and nobody came over to say anything. And I'm not precious on set, but... You know, it's Canada. You think like a few people are gonna come over and be like, "You're all right," yeah. and nobody said anything. And I'm, I'm realizing like, you know, my leg is like really feeling tingly. Yeah. Uh, and it turned out I ruptured my Achilles. So, uh, you know, two days, three days later, I got surgery um, from one of the best uh, orthopedic guys in the world. Thank, thankfully. Yeah. Um, God bless Alistair Younger. And um, what's going through your mind when that happens? I mean, the, here you are, it's the, you got a 10 episode order and you're the yeah, lead my, of this my show. My first thought was I have literally, you know, 200 some odd people who have been out of a job since March yeah. and have probably like me paid a lot of bills anticipating like that I they're going to get paid. I got something big coming in. Now, yeah. That was my first thought. Like these guys are out of work and all of their families and right. everything else. I'm like, how do I figure out how to get back on my feet again? And then I was like, personally, I was like, oh, this is really challenging because I've also anticipating the financial costs here. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not an athlete. I'm not a basketball star. Like, I'm going to be fine. Sure. In time. Right. Um, but, you know, I got a family. I got to And, pay and for the that. nature of and the we business. We spent so much that, money getting up there. Yeah. And the business is shut down now right. because of the pandemic. So I was like, man, this is going to be a financially very, very tricky thing to figure out. Um, cause I'll be out of work for like, they were telling me they were, they said, we just, the insurance company said, Oh, just shut down for six months. Cause he's not going to really walk for like six months. You right. Be able, right. Just shut him down. And so I'm like, well, look, I'm doing, man, I'm an adult. Yeah. Legendary NBC. They're going to sit down. They're going to call me up. They're going to look at the numbers and they call me up and they say, we love you. Obviously like, yeah. you're great. Um, and we'll help you out in any way we can, but, um, and we'll get you another job we'll down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then they're going to say, we got to replace you. And I, right. and I would have gone, I got, I, what are you, of course I, I hear you. You know, my wife's up there, and my two kids, and our dog, and my mother-in-law, and all. Like, and now we're gonna have to go back. But I'll tell you, I, I was like, I'm going. I mean, I told them, I was like, I will be. I'm gonna. I will shoot. I am going to be ready to shoot. Like, I will. You give. I will figure this out. And I threw everything at this thing in terms of supplements and How PT. How long did and, you allow yourself to be down? Zero. about this. Not not like, down. I mean, dude, ready. I let me tell you, I do rarely will speak. Um, proudly about certain things, yeah. but I've been talking this talk for 10 years now 
And if you needed proof that um, your mental conditioning is as important as I've been talking about it being important, yeah. then let me walk you through my Achilles rupture um, you know, journey, shooting a 10-episode NBC primetime TV show. Um, you know, I think there was some quotation I read that said, complaining is like praying to the devil. Mm-hmm. And so I just made a decision um, immediately. I was like, you're never going to complain, not to anybody and not to yourself. And... Um, Ever. Like, wow. not one time are you going to do it. Wow. And you're just going to put your head down, and you're going to do this. Now, look, there's wows, and I am really proud of myself. Like, I mean, I don't just talk like that. I am really proud of myself, and I'm thrilled that we were able to get through it. And I think that most of our crew would probably even forget that this had happened, which is great for me. I r- was particularly sensitive to the fact of how lucky I was for so many different reasons. One of which is, like, I have a job. Like, think about these guys who have a cash job right. and families. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're getting paid by the day, by the hour, and, like, you just don't show up, you don't get paid, mm-hmm. I don't know what you do. This was, like, I couldn't walk, you know? Yeah. It was just crazy uh, to me. I had so much help and so many resources and so much money that I could spend on this problem. It's like, man, and that was the silver lining that came out of it. I'm adjusting my life to navigate, like, the kitchen, the bathroom, and the bedroom for the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. They told me months. But I'm like, it'll be a, it'll be a few weeks. There's kids coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan who are going to coming back and adjusting that trifecta for the rest of their life because they don't have a yeah. leg. No, absolutely. That perspective is so important and helps you get through. But as someone who tore my Achilles not once but twice, two times, it makes me emotional uh, yeah. hearing how strong-willed you were to just be like, this happened. I'm not. You're not going to feel sorry for yourself. Oh, yeah. Forward and and make it happen. Yeah, and I you had the same thing. I mean, we we both went through it. It's but, a, I, but I allowed myself to be down <laughs> well, for a little bit. You know, like I took at least 24 hours of like this fucking sucks. Sure. I can't believe it. You're. I, I was. I I had a pan. I mean, I had a bit of a panic attack after the surgery. I was like hopping around, even though my wife's like, "Do not hop." Yeah. Yeah. And I fell like down like three steps, uh, and I like thought I put this pressure weird. on the thing. Yeah. And um, uh, that was a tr- that was a my wife definitely panic moment. Yeah, I got in a mid air um flight emergency where we like thought there was gonna be like a true plane crash. Yeah. July fifteenth, twenty seventeen. And um, that that was you know that was everybody praying and crying and a few of us walked off the plane kind of like John Wayne style like we got through that you know we did you do it we did it wow um, but my wife definitely on the contrary side who was on this flight was it a a handful of good friends of mine oh my god um, there were some celebs on the flight there were some celebs on the flight yeah, yeah. Well, that's but that's by the way that added to the fact that I was like oh we could die because that's the sort of story that dies. It's not the sort of story of like, right. it's like always like the celebrities on the it's small like plane, right? Buddy Holly. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, no, this is totally reasonable. Oh. Um, but, but my point is like, I got off that flight and I was like, I, I, did, I wasn't crying. I wasn't. Were you worried also that like, oh, there's some big celebrities on this flight. I'm going to be like the fourth oh, no, lead. I wasn't I'm going to be. That. Okay. That's very, <laughs> funny. That's very funny. No, but I definitely panicked in front of my wife when I fell down the stairs and looked like a total, a total sissy. Oh. Uh, which is uh, frustrating. Well, check I... this out because you bounced back and you were able to do it and shoot the entire season of debris just yes. weeks after having Achilles surgery. That is correct. And the there we go. It's one look, of my one of my shots. Right? Yeah, look at this picture. So tell us what this is and why this was built because this boggles my mind. Yeah, I mean, I had to do a lot of. It was a. I'm playing a, a guy, a former like you know Marine recon guy who's. Yeah. You know, who just got a torn Achilles. So uh, there was some running stuff, and I had a great double. And, you know, um, by a certain point, actually in this forest, I was able to do like three or four 
ish steps with like somebody waiting to catch me, so I'd have to do like an arrest and haul and like all this sort of stuff, yeah. which was emotional and, and scary, particularly yeah. when you're feeling like so in touch with your body. But they built this rig out for me, so if I like like a chariot, like a like a uh, you know Roman chariot, where uh, if I worked my arms, <laughs> kind of like that scene in Dumb and Dumber. That's uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm running incredibly yeah. fast. Yes, that's right. literally what I did on this on this thing. Well, um, I watched the series and I really enjoyed it. And you would never tell. Thank you. And thank it's amazing. You. Uh, and God bless. God you, bless them too. But for the DP, me. the director, everyone on the set to make it sure. uh, feel like you would have no idea. One hundred percent. I feel so much. Um, there's the kinship. Oh my sure. god, I mean, dude. We felt that oh, too when my you found god. out I torn my Achilles and all that. Oh yeah, my there's, god. There's a club because it's. Uh, I just want to help them. I know, and the silver lining is you can fully recover, but it is an emotional journey that you go on when Jeez. something like that happens. Oh yeah, yeah. It's instantaneous. The workman comp woman. She, when I got on the phone, she was so great. She's like, "Yeah, no, this is the worst injury we have for <laughs> like basically like the longest recovery." Right. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Great. She's like that and the ACL meniscus double tear. Like that's it's basically the longest recovery that we have. I just suggest you shut down for six months yeah uh, like you won't really be walking for a year oh man well you showed you proved them wrong, proved wrong as you always do and that leads us to our next game here on in the zone yeah now you played little league baseball back in the day you got your red Sox hat you're yeah. a big red Sox fan we play a game called association word association okay. where we open a pack of cards and word association real quick you just give me the first thing that comes to oh, your no. mind. I'm going to look well, like a psychopath. Now, I'm a big basketball fan, so normally I do basketball, but I know you being a Red Sox fan. We've got some vintage 1992 Upper Deck baseball cards awesome. here, all right? You remember going to Fenway back in the day, right? So we're going to open these cards. have never been opened, and we'll see some players, hopefully some recognizable ones. You tell me the first thing. That comes to your mind. Okay, how, did, how good does it feel to open that pack? Oh, there's nothing better. And now mm. you got into card collecting, right? Uh, a few years ago through Gary Vaynerchuk, right? What no, no, no. I was into card collecting when I was a kid. But you got back into no, it. No, I did not get back into it. Oh, I'm not. Me. No, no, no. I just was like, oh, maybe these cards that I should have thrown out. I mean, I even offered them to you. I, I mean, I was. Uh, I'm not in, in your car. You had boxes of cards. I in was your... literally on the way to donate them, trying to find someone I could give them to somebody. What you were doing? What you should? I was going to give them to you. Oh, that was the reason they were in there. Yeah, no, I'm not back in card collection. Oh, all right. I thought you were. Okay. And I'm not into NFTs. All right. All right. Well, some of these guys, because there's a lot of players in baseball, you're not going to know who they are, so you just give me your first still, your first reaction. Sure. Word association. Here we go. From the Kansas City Royals, we got Gary Thurman. Oh, I loved, I mean, oh, God, first reaction. I just love the Royals. I don't know what to tell you. I, yeah. This is a wild um, Kirby Puckett. There you go. Yeah, all right, right, good. All right. Oh, perfect. I'm a Milwaukee guy. Next but, one. Yeah, just Next for one. some reason thought of This Kirby. works out well sometimes. You don't know. From the Boston Red Sox, the one and only. I hope it's Wade Boggs. Wade Boggs. Oh, God, just mustache. I can't even see the car, but I just. Yeah. Wade Boggs is such a G. I even wanted to name. I, I put down a name um, for my when I was looking at names for my kids. I was doing yeah. like, something Boggs or something about. Really? Him. He was I, on the short list. I love that name. He's got I love some classic him. stories, too. Have you ever he's heard the story? A, he, drank, like, he drank 40 beers on an airplane once yeah, on a yeah. flight. Like, he's a, he's a legend, Wade yeah, Boggs. Yeah, he's, he's just also like the. Looks like what I want a baseball player to look like. Well, speaking of looks like a it's baseball a player, also, like, look at this athlete. His name is Chris Bazio. Look That's at this crap. man. That, if you met him and he said he was a professional athlete. I would say taste great, less filling. <laughs> yeah, okay, Which was nice. a cheer at the uh, at Fenway Park. You'd get, taste great. And the other side go, less filling. Wow. Milwaukee Brewers uh, beer. Uh, yeah. It's always a Miller Lite I like uh, that. slogan during I like the that. early 90s. You're good at this. Okay. Next up, we have Gary... 
read us. I mean, I feel like I'm just going to start associating with like players from the Pirates, but yeah, you can um, do that. But too. I like, but I, I love that uh, that hotel stadium down there. You mm. like some Pittsburgh sports teams, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Why, and why is that? You're such a Boston guy. What, what I like working class t- cities. Okay, all right. And I like working class cities that like their sports. I've always been a fan. I mean, I'm not a Pittsburgh sports fan growing up in Cleveland, but I've always admired the fact that all of their professional sports teams, black and yellow, same colors, very easy. Same color scheme, all three teams. Uh, on ice or grass, we will still kick Cleveland's ass. Feel the Pittsburgh steel is a line that I saw when I was there that I liked and that I imagine you must. Yeah, I don't like that line, but uh, I mean, I, that would be a Jonathan Tucker. No, I like that. Yeah. That's aggressive. Yeah, like, all right. This next card, this is an amazing one here, all right? Don't even think. First word that comes to your mind, okay. it's his rookie card. Manny Ramirez. Oh my God, that's wild, bro. Yeah. God, I can't believe how. Um, look at here. Take by it. Way, by the way, I don't. What I don't want to say, but I guess it is, is steroids. Because you look how small. Ever, it, yeah. I mean, he got bigger, but I don't know. Is he, isn't he, he playing in Australia? He's playing in Australia now, isn't he? He's gonna play forever, man. Am I wrong? Isn't he playing in Australia in this like maybe like farm he's team? Popped up on a lot of different squads. I think he's popped a bunch. Yeah. I could be Manny wrong. Is he Manny? Manny, Manny. I love Manny. No, no. Manny Ramirez is playing in Australia. Is he? Yes, in a like farm team in Australia. Gotta and go. there was a steroid issue, and that's why I don't think he's getting in the Hall of Fame or something. But this is wild. And are these cards worth anything? That one might be a Manny Ramirez rookie card. You see the uh, your favorite logo here. Yeah, uh, great prize. Chief Wahoo logo. Uh, definitely a racist logo. No. Uh, you know, I associate it with fond memories of my childhood going to baseball games, but uh, do you it's see, a good thing they got rid of Do you see the outline of his tricep there and how big he's got and how big he got at a certain I point? I mean, Steroids. it's, like, it's kind of like Jonathan oh, wow. Tucker in the Dunkaroos commercial, you know? Yeah. Like, Fundamentals. <laughs> Fundamentals, yeah, sorry, sorry. Oh, another great name. Unfortunate f- pose, but Storm Davis. Yeah, all right, good. Yeah, I think Nolan Ryan when I see that photo. I loved when he put Robin Ventura in a headlock. Yeah, yeah, Remember yeah. that? He was Just not fooling around. Yeah. Nothing that like was a the days baseball like, brawl. Yeah, it's so raw. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, because hockey, early, it's expected. It's a part of the game. The NBA yeah. gets broken up so quick. Baseball, it's like the uh, basketball fights in the seventies, eighties, oh, and nineties were. Incredible. Those were, I mean, Larry Bird and the Celtics. So so you, you could punch a guy in the face and be like, "All right, technical foul. You're still in the game." You know, it's like you're literally knocking. We've gone soft out, out here. It's no. crazy. It's crazy. It has gone soft. All right, this is a checklist for the New oh, York Yankees. Gross. Tell me your hatred for the Yankees. I heard you say once you would. I know you're a huge Patriots fan, but you said once you would rather, if you could guarantee the Yankees would lose for a decade, you'd rather that than take another Patriots Super Bowl. Without win. a question. So your hatred for the Yankees is even greater than like your love. I don't dislike any other sports team (laughs) anywhere in the world for any reason more or for any. I I I think I can't. I I, would you ever play a character, a role in a film where they made you wear a Yankees hat? No, ask Ben Affleck. You wouldn't wear the hat. No, no, Gone Girl. I believe never. Yeah. Yeah, so you. Draw I can't the line. say I'm never gonna say never, but I'm not gonna. I'm not. I would not. If it was part of the character, we would. I'm not gonna arbitrarily wear a Yankees hat. Okay, all right. Uh, I didn't know he was they're a catcher. A, they're just. It's just the 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 fan base. The yeah. The hubris, the supercilious quality, their expectation that um, they deserve something. I just. It's too much for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's no. It's um, It is the yeah. height of. Um, what people get mad about in terms of power differentials and inequality in America. It's all summed it's up. It's all summed by, up by the Yankees. Yeah, all right. They are just, just 
the worst. <laughs> okay, I love it. I love the spirit, though, the hatred for them. This is uh, Ray Lankford. Uh, yeah, you know, not a lot of love for the Cardinals as a uh, as a Sox fan. We beat them in 2004. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I flew home back to Boston at the uh, in the... Uh, literally at the beginning of the game and made it back for the last few innings um, back in Boston. And that was our big our big win. And then we went again in 2007. Yes. Those are two very important years for me. Very important I don't years. even remember all the other championships, which is a great thing to say as a Boston fan. I literally can't that walk through it. I literally can't. That's the most thing to say as a Boston fan. I'm raising my hands up quite uh, to a la Tom Brady. Oh, my um, God. But, but 2004, 2007 were like, I mean... Now you were there. Incredible. You were there. I was you... there. I was not. I was in Boston in two thousand four. Yeah. And then I was in Colorado in two thousand seven. You made it on the field with the championship trophy I, in two thousand seven. I did. Oh, tell me how that happened. Uh, I'm not going to tell you uh, exactly how it happened. Why? We'll what are you going to get in trouble? I did not have a ticket to the game. Okay, I, I love did it. Not have a ticket to the seat. The statue of limitations is up, Tucker. This is the time um, to come clean. Some people would think I worked for the Aramark concession stands. <laughs> yes. Uh, if they checked my badge, I might have uh, been able to prove them that that was correct. You're an actor. You know, like a good reporter, I'm able to embed myself at the right times. Yeah. And um, was able to get onto the field and to celebrate as a Boston uh, resident would want to. <laughs> As they would want to, you were celebrating with the team. There's yeah, pictures yeah. of you with the championship trophy on yeah. the field. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, not a great. normal thing. Well, You're particularly downplaying this. like particularly like as you know with text messaging. So when all your buddies are. You know, yeah. going crazy, you're able to, in real time, send back a photo of you holding the World Series trophy. It's great. Was this a yeah. solo mission? Because I feel like you it's can't hard. go. You got to yeah, go, you solo, gotta go on solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In life, a lot of times you got to go. You got to just. That's how you can maneuver. You can get places get when places. you're, you know, a party of one, yeah. and you so, you made that happen. Yeah, that was really gratifying on many many levels, and um, I have some great photos. And uh, at Colorado, very generous town. I was staying in a Motel Eight because I bought plane tickets at like one a.m. after the third game. I can't remember. Maybe the, I think they won in four. I can't remember. They wanted four or one and five, but it was they were going to win. Mm-hmm. So I had to get on the next flight. So I got on at one a.m. I one a.m. I bought the flight. That was at the airport, like four or five a.m. And I stayed. Somebody at the bar was like, "Yeah, dude, let Sunny McLean's," which was like big. It's a big yeah, yeah. bar. And I had been drinking there for a decade because of all of the great sports possibilities that were happening for Boston. Right. And he's like, "If you make it to Denver." I'm going to be there. I got a Motel 8 room with a dude I met online and my buddy from high school who lives in Florida. I was like, all right, here's my number. Text him. He's like, yeah, dude, we got a fucking bedroom for you. No, we got a bed. And you went into the room and it was like, there was like five beds. A dude he met on a chat board. Oh, my his God. His best friend from Florida. And there were so many, the beds were all put together like Tetris. So like you, there was no room to walk anywhere. I'm so glad you were here and alive today to be here for it this. It was great. That's uh, incredible. Great. Oh my God, that's amazing! Wow. Well, yeah, that's pretty epic. That, I, love I was that in the zone. You. you were in the zone. I love I that about you. I, that's the type of thing I would do too. Maybe not the motel eight room with like five strangers from Chapel. I, I had nowhere to go, man. I didn't yeah. know where to stay. Not accepting no for an answer and yeah. celebrating with the team—that is uh, pretty legendary. It was stuff. an incredible, incredible. You know, nothing's better than calling your old man, telling him to watch the TV, and then you're running the bases in the World Series as they're moving the. Trophy round. I mean, incredible. that is incredible. incredible. That is amazing. All right, I have one card left, and it's a good one to end on. 
Roger. Is that Clemens? Clemens. Oh, the Rocket, man. That is. Now, what are your thoughts on? Yeah, him? I know you're going to bring up the Yankees, but I don't care. He's well, a great... polarizing figure. I mean, he's not in the Hall of Fame. He's we got the, the steroid stuff. We, but you're let still, me tell you what we do in Boston. Clemens, we support our people. And he's Boston because he started in Boston. You're still with him. There's Boston Strong, you know, the important yeah. slogan that came out of the Boston Marathon. Of course. That every community since adopted. <laughs> right. It's typical. That's true. For what, how it comes out of Boston. Yeah. The rest <laughs> of the world uh, adopts. Right. Cradle of the revolution, the Athens of America, the beacon of democracy, the bright, shining city on a hill. Uh, but uh, not only do they so – that that's true. We are Boston strong, but really we're Boston loyal, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we'll beat you up when you're in the town, yep. but the moment anyone else tries to beat you up, that's when we, we draw a line. So you're so, still cool with Clemens, Rod, Johnny Damon, these guys who were Red Sox. Johnny Damon, a little bit less so, okay. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. That actually is, that's funny. Yeah, no, he's a little bit less so. Oh, okay, all right, all right. There's a lot. I'd say there's somewhere. just about most everybody, but but Johnny Damon. All right. Actually. Well, you see, I collect cards. I collect sure. a lot of things. On our segment called Cool, Calm, and Collected, you are all three of those things, Cool, Calm, and Collected, Jonathan Tucker, but what is it that you collect? <sighs> I've been collecting a lot of scotch and whiskey. Amazing. Uh, and bourbon. And from time to time, rye. Anything that's like dark and brown. Yeah. Um, like my wife. Um, <laughs> that is true. She's that is true. Indian descent. <laughs> um, so this is um, this is just kind of a fun wonky bottle that I thought um, you might not have seen. Yeah, no, and, tell uh, me about it. I mean, there's not there's so much action on the front. There's a lot going look. on. But I, got, I buy a lot of it because um, I love it. Yeah. Um, and unlike wine, which is what got me into alcohol um, originally, uh, nice. you could open this thing up and um, and you can leave it open, right? So yeah. it's a lot more fun right. to have friends over and to drink with. That was distilled in 1984. It's a good it was year. bottled in 2018. Nice. And just like you, it's got a no chill filtration. Hells yeah. Uh, no coloring. Charged refill hogshead. Yeah. Only 246 of those bottles. Only 246? Yeah. Now, are you the kind of guy, like, obviously, some collections you just save and collect, they appreciate and value. This is something that you enjoy. Are there any bottles you have that you do not just, oh, wow, look at this. Chucker is chugging the water. You know what? I got one better for you. I got one better for you. Uh, thank you for that, but I'm going to get you something real quick. So don't, don't pour it in. Oh, that wasn't a chugging uh, bit. That was just me I know, drinking it. But I think. Oh my goodness! You should drink it out of this. It's that is dead. good. Look at this. They go. really sent you the, the works. That's right. All right. That's sorry, I had, I had to leave for a second. I had to get the Regina Pizzeria sure. glass for him to drink out of. Oh. There you go, out of that cup. Nice. So, do you, to, to my question though was, you oh wow, a shot? yeah, I do want to take a shot of this. This is normally a, put a little bit of water in there just to kind of mellow it out, like some. Okay. Open it up a little bit. This is a little oh, bit. it opens it up. Yeah, you know, a little bit. Okay, I like it. I like we're it. Going, right. We're going. We're going. We're going rogue. I like this type of collection. Mmm. That is smooth. That is nice. Yeah. That is that is real nice. And the more you drink, the more uh, terms you get to describe it, other than smooth. Uh, well, okay, how would you describe it? Well, I'm not sure. I'm just saying there's a lot of, you know, smooth is often our Smooth our is just an obvious one that I go with? Okay, it's oaky finish. Um, That's nice. Crisp, yeah. That is great. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm a big, well, I'm a peat guy. I like, like a good peaty. 
Mm-hmm. Chacha, that's very peaty. It is good. I like that yeah. a lot. And it's you drank most easy. of it. I, I didn't know if we were no. sharing or if I was supposed to finish it all, but it was delicious, and I just took down most of that. Yeah. You know, it's a long day. I like day things that you can share and that don't kind of expire. Yes. You know? And that's, um, that's... Are there any bottles that you don't are like waiting for that special i gave my five i bought a um a 30 year mccallan Mm -hmm. um uh, and i was holding it and then my dad turned 70 so i gave it to my old man to to have i think it's like you want to save things and then you want to also understand that you're gonna die and the people around you are gonna die and you want to be able to celebrate people and um and also enjoy the things that uh you have while you have them yeah well I've enjoyed this time that you've spent with us here today on In The Zone. And our last question that we always ask our guests, you know I collect a lot of things, including T-shirts. I got those super soft homage T-shirts. Well, homage is all about storytelling, and we are here, too, on In The Zone. And I want to give you an opportunity, Jonathan Tucker, to pay homage. To you? To me. And tell me how much you want me. That is a good twist. I like this. That is a good idea. Tell me how much you like me. So the final segment, tell me how much you've enjoyed this experience (laughs) and how much you love me. Uh, But then after that, uh, I would love for you to pay homage to someone who helped pave the way for your success in your life. It could be someone close to you, someone that you've admired from afar. Well, I do like the idea of telling somebody how great of an experience they've had with you because then you're really starting to set that narrative. I do like that. You know, I want to say this has been you've really enjoyed uh, me as a guest, we've had a lot. We've shared some really fun stories. There were some surprises. Yeah, you actually thought you knew everything, but then so you boom, you were surprised. You kind of like walk them through all the positive aspects, and then they walk away with the story that you Absolutely. you told them. It's highly manipulative. Yeah, this and is I'm great. totally That's what I'm all about here. Um, so someone paid homage to uh, yeah. Um, well, uh, I'd say my my uh, my high school um, headmaster and his wife, who married, officiated our wedding. Uh, my wife and I's um, nuptials in New York, where I believe you came to. No, you and I your was wife not did there. Not come. I I didn't know you. Did your wife come after? My wife was not there either. Incredible. We we. That's we why it was such an unsuccessful, you know, party. We thought it was. We knew you there was something. Thought it was. You were at. You were at my wedding. If you had been there, it would have been the hit. And of I the, do want to say. For anyone out there looking for a great wedding guest, Jonathan Tucker is the best wedding guest of but all time. You're a good you wedding guest. Wedding. Too. I mean, I bring it on the dance floor for sure. I, I you know, we had a great time here. But you also you make sure your move. I don't want to, you know, you go up, up to now. the. Oh, your mom, yeah, yeah. yeah. My mom loves you, yeah. but you make sure to go up to the mother of the bride or the mother of the groom and say. What is your drink? Yeah. What is it? And you just make sure, make sure they're they taken have taken care funny. of. They never have to look for a drink. You keep everyone hydrated. It's a good and move. Fun. Yeah. So you're a vodka. So what kind of vodka? Like, oh, that's a shame. And then you just had it. Ready you gotta to have go. it ready to go. Yeah, that yeah. was your move. So you got it. It's that's the vodka right. soda that you like. Yeah. So back to you paying uh, homage my, to my, someone. My headmaster, uh, Michael Mulligan, and his wife Joy Mulligan. Um, they they uh, the high school that I went to was fanatical about these three uh, four principles: um, honor, fairness, kindness, and truth. And they that those two um, really, as the heads of the school. Um, they really they made that the backbone of your experience there, and they talk about uh, doing what you know is right and not doing what you know is wrong. And I think you know when you have had some success early on in your life, or you think you're you're smart, which is often a dangerous place to be, you know. And um, I was very good at abiding by the rules, mm-hmm. but. Getting what I needed, yeah. and uh, and it was tricky. 
And then when it was put on me that it, you do what you know is right and you don't do what you know is wrong, and I was like, well, this is really, I don't know how to get around that one because <laughs> um, it's on me. And um, that guidance or um, kind of guidepost from them has been instrumental in my life, uh, both personally and professionally and spiritually. Nothing's just more empowering than saying, you know, I don't know the answer to that, or I made a mistake, or I don't think that's the honorable decision, or am I being fair? Isn't that the nice thing to do? Am I being kind? When you put it through those sorts of filters, it makes my decision-making so much more easy, and um, I feel more comfortable with the decisions I've made, and I also feel comfortable looking back and being like, well, if there was a mistake, I'm sure if I went back to the email I sent or the conversation I had or did I, if I shared the information or not, like I will have made the right decision back then, and therefore I don't have anything to worry about. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's awesome. That's incredible. They instilled Pay homage. Yeah. To yeah. Jason's own Fisher. <laughs> and then, yeah, that now part tell as me. Well. well. Thanks for having me on, man. Thank you for being here. One last parting gift. You know that I love to collect things and cards. Well, these are limited edition, first series in the zone. Jonathan oh, wow. Tucker. This Braden is really cards. aggressive. We what do I do made, with this? We only made five of these. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to autograph them. You get to keep one. We're going to add one to our wall of fame where cool. all of our guests go, and the rest we are going to give away to our fans and followers on social media. Limited edition, series one. It's going to be worth something. Gary V is going to take note. Noted what? Noted mass hole. Copy of that. That's but a term of endearment for you. This is great. Thank you yes. for having me on the show. Series one. That's right. Limited I hope you'll come edition. back again one day and enjoy the leftover Regina's pizza. Thanks, bud. I had yeah. my fill. Awesome, man. Thanks again, Tuck.